All right. Good to see you tonight. I was wondering with the cold if we'd have everybody out. And it's great to see you tonight. And I'm ready to dive in. How about you? All right. And I must be absolutely crazy with what I want to talk about tonight. Because I normally, just so you know, when I preach, I usually have between two and four pages, depending on um, what I'm talking about um, on a given weekend. Tonight, I have 13, okay? So we may not get through it all. I might start rushing. I don't know. But this is really important to me, so I want to share this with you. Probably not a lot of interaction until the end on this one, but we want to definitely dive in tonight. And, um, and we will not be reviewing um, previous weeks. You can watch them online. We just don't have time to do that. But um, in uh, last time we got together, we started with the first one, and just to give you a, a heads up what we're doing here, if this is your first night, we take what we do at Christian Life very seriously, and, and that comes from the Great Commission, and uh, we won't read it right now, it's on the screen behind me though, the Great Commission tells us to go and make disciples, and teach them everything Jesus commanded us, and that's overwhelming. How do we go and make disciples and teach everything? And so we talked about discipleship and some different groups and different things come up with eight things that need to be active in our lives. So there's eight things that need to be active in our life. And, and so the first one last week was we love God with all our heart, mind, and soul, and strength, and we love our neighbor as ourselves. I know we didn't get together last week. I say last week a lot. But a couple weeks ago we got together, and that's what we talked about. You can watch that online. Now the hard part of that one was we didn't know if we were doing it. We didn't know how to check that one. Tonight is very easy to check and see if you're doing it. Very easy. But because it's easy doesn't mean that it's not important. So this is it. And this came up every time we talked about um, being a disciple, an active disciple, not just one by name, but an active disciple. And this is it. You have to be an active attender. An active attender. You have to be a part of his church. And when I say attender... I mean, coming to services, yes, that's important to come to services. I mean, you have to do that, given. Okay. But it's more than that. It's, it's about being a member of the body of Christ, being a part of what God is doing. Because the word for church in the Greek is ekklesia, which means the gathering together. It's the gathering together of believers or those that are called by God. It's a gathering together. And Jesus says, you are to be a part of my church. And that's why we talk about being the church when we gather together. I, I told this a long time ago, but I'll never forget it with Luke. And uh, our, you know, obviously we've been doing the Ascension Convention for 26 years. Uh, this year is going to be unbelievable again. And, uh, and our kids have kind of grown up going to the hotel and being a part of it. And uh, even before they were old enough, they would come. And, and I remember we were checking in on a family vacation or sometime with Luke into a hotel, and he asked me as a little boy, he said, Dad, does this hotel have a church? And I said, what does that mean? You know, it's like, what are you talking about, son? And, and he goes, yeah, the church, you know, where they sing, and there's lights, and there's video, and all, and, and, and I got, every time we walk into a hotel, he thinks of the Ascension Convention. So he's thinking, where's the church in this hotel? And, and again, what a beautiful picture of gathering together to worship God, and that is the church, and that's what we're called to be. We're going to look at Acts chapter 2 tonight, because that's what our children are learning upstairs. So if you have children here tonight, or young people, they're learning from Acts chapter 2. Now also be in prayer for our young people, because obviously they're talking about what I shared with you, and probably a little more in depth upstairs, and so uh, pray for them tonight, because I know Jonathan has a heavy heart with all of this. So um, pray for them. But this is what our children are learning tonight in Acts chapter 2, beginning of verse 42. And this is right after the church begins. It says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. 
And the Lord added to their number day by day who were being saved. So we see the beginning of the church kind of coming together in a very tight-knit group. Now the church, the, the, the talking about the church actually begins in Matthew chapter 16, where Jesus begins to introduce the idea of the church to the disciples. Then in Max, or excuse me, Matthew 19, or 18, he begins to talk about uh, how we deal with one another inside of church, and then obviously the book of Acts and the rest of the New Testament talks about the church and what is the church. And what God does is he, he wants to save us. That's his call, to, to seek and save the lost. If there was a, a purpose verse for Jesus' life, it's that. And when he saves us, he brings us into his family. And, and so we are a part of God's family as soon as we're saved. But then part of God's plan in his kingdom is to place people inside of a church setting so that they can be in relationship with each other. And that's why we talk about being connected to God first and foremost at our church. We connect people to God. It's the most important relationship any one of us will ever have. It determines this life and the life to come, so we have to have that relationship with God. So we connect people to God. But that second one is, is so key and so important in the Christian life, and that is that we connect people to people because you weren't meant to be a Christian all by yourself. You need other people in your life. That's what God says in his Word And he says, I want you to get together in churches and commit yourself to a body and be a member of a local church. We see that throughout the New Testament. It's kind of like a plant. We need to be planted together so that we can grow together. And if you take a plant and you uproot it and then you plant it and uproot it and plant it, that's going to be either a very unhealthy plant that never really grows or it dies along the way. We need to come together where we can sink our roots down deep. And part of that is attending. Part of that is membership. Part of that is saying, I'm a part of this family. Because it's absolutely necessary. If you want to be a disciple and you want to grow in God, you've got to lock in. You've got to lock in. You can't stand on the outside looking in. You can't do it all by yourself. You have to have other people in your life. You have to be using your spiritual gifts. You have to be investing in others. And then when we do that and we work together, we go from just being a group that gathers together, an audience, to becoming really an army for God that God can use in this world. And this is the intent of God's heart. And, and I, I was going to bring this up last week, but I didn't. But we talked about being a priesthood to God, bringing glory to God. But if you notice in that passage of Scripture in 2 Peter, we won't go back to it. You can go back to your notes or listen online. He talks about us being living stones built into a spiritual house. So it's more than we're just priests. We're these stones that are built into a spiritual house. And what God is saying is that he wants us to come together, to assemble together so that he can be with us or in our midst. It's so important to realize that, that we are all living stones. We're all living sacrifice. We're all priests. But he says, I want you to be built together so that I can abide with you. And I don't know if you've ever thought about this before, but if, if I am not in connection with other living stones and we're not built into a spiritual house, then I'm really making God homeless. Or I should better said, I'm homeless because I'm a stone all by myself. And God says, I want you to be built together. I want other people in your life so that we, that, and I'm talking about believers here, I want other believers in your life so that, that you can be built into what I'm calling you to be. And I want to do great things through you, but it's only when we become his body. I like what Rick Warren said, a Christian without a church family is an orphan. A Christian without a church family is an orphan. And there's something about worshiping together. I don't know, I mean, I just... I know it sounds trite, but I mean, I'm just down here tonight, and I just feel goosebumps at certain points in, in songs, and it's like, wow, God, you're here, and this is unbelievable, and, and there's something that happens when we worship together. I, I, I bet you feel the same thing, and maybe in a different way, in different experience, but, but there's something that you long for in your heart. It's like, wow, this is it, and, and the reality is, is that we need those experiences in our life. Because we're going to talk about this when we get into more devotional life kind of things and prayer and, and all of that, is that we're only as strong as our last experience with God. And, and I don't know when that was for you, but you're really only as strong as, as the last time you, you got together with him. 
because he's the strength of our life. I mean, he's the one that gives us the anointing and the power that we need for our life. And so I need to be with him. And so if I'm not with him, and I'm not coming to church, or I'm not connected to a church, I, I'm, I'm, I'm living on something else. I'm living on a past experience, something that, that, that needs to be updated, if you will. I heard on the radio today, I don't know if you guys listen to Alistair Begg in the morning. I, I love Alistair Begg. But he was talking about, and I love this idea. He goes, a lot of Christians get God's paint job, like a car, you know. Um, maybe they go to church, or they go to a crusade, or something like that, and they hear the message, like, that sounds like a great idea. I think I'll go up, and they get the new paint job, but nothing changes. There's, there's nothing else that happens in their life, and, and what happens with the paint job is sometimes it begins to fade, and the paint begins to peel. It's like, oh, I need another paint job, and so we'll get that. But, but God, God says, I want to transform you. I want to change you. I want to do something inside of you. And, and I don't want you just to have this experience and then the paint peels away. I want you to be a part of something that changes you. And I don't know about you, but when I come to church, something happens and I can't explain it. And in fact, Paul calls the church a mystery. And that's, I'm going to give you a few names of, church, of the church that Paul uses throughout his theology of the church because God uses him to explain the theology of what the church is. And one of the things he calls the church is a mystery. He says it's just a mystery. And it's like any relationship you would have. Relationships are just a mystery, aren't they? Good ones, bad ones, they're hard to explain. When you're not in it, it's difficult to explain. And so we have these moments in our life where we have relationships. And just you can't explain it unless you're there. And, and an example is, is that you can't explain to your child how much you love your child unless they have a child of their own, and they have some type of experience. Uh, let me give you an example. I'll, I'll never forget when we had Luke, and, and if you remember, when he was born, he went through some difficulties. It was very hard. It was just, it was, it was in the NICU for a long time, and it was just a very difficult time, and, and uh, just, you know, I mean, you love your kid no matter what. You just really love your, your son. You know, that was my first son. You just, oh, I just loved him to death. And, and I never forget what my mom said one time. I don't know if she remembers it, but she said this to me one time. She goes, Daryl, do you realize I love you that much? As much as you love Luke, do you realize that's how much I love you? And I mean, I always knew mom loved me. I mean, I always knew that. I mean, I knew mom. My, my mom loved me. But then when I experienced that love, I understood. You know what I mean? There, there's a mystery that you can't explain that you have to experience, and you have to experience that in church. There's something that happens when we come together, when we lock in, and it's something beautiful and something powerful. In fact, the word mystery, when Jerome was translating the uh, New Testament into Latin, he, he changed the word uh, from mysterion in the Greek to sacramentum in the Latin, and he changed the word from mystery to sacrament. And, and the reason for doing that is that something happens when, now we're not a sacramental church, um, and when you think of sacraments, you might think of the Catholic church, but, but don't do that in this case. What he, what he means by that is there's something happens in the church that changes us, and we can't explain it, and there's no words, it's a mystery. But there's sacraments, there, there's oaths that we make, there's things that we do that change us. When we get married, we walk in the church as a man and a woman, but we say a few things and something sacred happens and we leave as husband and wife. You know, there's something that happens in that moment that can't be explained. But it, but it does. And, and it changes things. And, and, and if you remember when Paul's talking and he's talking about marriage, but all of a sudden he interrupts himself and he goes, but I'm not talking about marriage anymore, I'm talking about the church. You remember when he does that in the book of Ephesians? And what he's doing is he's like, it's a mystery. What we have with God is a mystery. What the church is is a mystery. And, and there's something sacred with the sacraments. When you think about it, if, if we had sacraments as a church, which I don't know theologically if I'd use that word, but if we did, we might say baptism, Lord's Supper, um, things like that, worship the word, you know, those are things that we do as a church, so we could, we could call them sacraments if you want. But isn't there something powerful when you see a baptism? Or maybe when you were baptized, I don't know if you remember, but it was just, for me, I, I can remember, I, I, I felt invincible, spiritually speaking, when I was baptized, and it's a mystery. I just went in the water and came out, but something happened. 
when we receive the Lord's Supper, when we're, when we're in that moment in worship, there's something that happens. When we're worshiping God, there's something that happens. When we're preaching the Word, something's happening. And it's not like a natural thing that we can explain. You can't go home to somebody who wasn't there. Have you ever tried to do that? Or have you ever tried to buy the CD and give it to somebody or tell them to watch? And it just, it, was, it, just, it just crashed. Because there was something mysterious when we were together, and I'm not saying the Holy Spirit can't use other things. It's like I said, the Holy Spirit spoke to me this morning as I'm listening to the radio. So he can do that, but there's something sacred when we come together. I know you can watch these online later. I, I understand that, but, but there's something important about being here right now that happens when we say, I'm coming together with my church family to study God's word, to be a disciple to learn what it means to be active in our faith. And so, again, this idea of mystery. There's other words that Paul uses. He calls the, he calls the church the bride of Christ. What a powerful picture. Uh, definitely a mystery. We get that, that, that idea of being a bride, that Jesus is passionate about his bride. I don't know about you, but that just uh, does something inside of me. And that's why I get... Very concerned if anybody ever gets critical about the church. And don't get me wrong, we do a lot of things wrong. I mean, the church messes up a lot. I get that. But it's his bride. It's, it's, his, it's, his, it's his love. He's passionate about his bride. And, and we could say, well, we're passionate about our bride. Or we can remember when we were engaged, because that's kind of the picture here. It's not a, a, a long-time marriage. That's heaven. But like when you're going to get married, when you're engaged, and you, you just can't wait to be with that person, that's the relationship we have with God. And, and so is that reciprocal in your life when he talks about the church? I can't wait to be together to worship the bridegroom. I can't wait for that moment. He talks about us as his family, that we are the family of God, that when we get together, one person can't be the family of God, but when we get together, we become the family of God and we bear his name. As Christians, we bear his name. And, and, and we reflect his image. We've been talking about it on Sundays for how long now? We're called to show his glory. We live for his glory. We live for his honor, for his fame. You know, it's not about us. You know, we're just part of his family. We carry that family name. We are his body. Another word, a body. You know, we're, we're called the body. And, and, and I love that picture because that means that what we do as the church is when we all get together, we take Jesus' place in this world. Not one, one of us just can't do that. Now we can witness and share and stuff. But when we all get together, it's amazing what we can do. When you look at that missions board out there and you look at all the missionaries around the world and everything that's happening and all that takes place here at, at 400 East Gregory and then goes around the world, you know, we are part of his body to this world. We're showing who Jesus is to this world. And so we need to get a concept that, that we have to be in church and we have to be members of his body. And there are definite benefits for being members to his body. There's no doubt about it. We're going to talk about them tonight. But we have to commit in our hearts that we got to show up. we got to be here. You know, whether it's Wednesday night or Saturday night or Sunday morning or a small group, or, i got to be here because I need this. And, and, and active attendance is a part of being a disciple. It's just that simple. And so before we go on, you can check and see Am I doing this? Am I not doing this? Is church an option for me? Does it bend on how I feel when I wake up on Sunday morning? You know, and, and obviously, I feel funny talking to you guys because I'm preaching to the choir tonight. I mean, you're here on a Wednesday night when it's freezing outside, so I know what it means to you. But I want to tell you what you're doing is so important. And I look around the room and I see a lot of leaders in this room that lead small groups or, or actively are people that are leaders in our church, and, and so it's important for us to be people that are active in, in the body of Christ. And, and it's not just large group settings, we'll talk mostly about that tonight where we come together as a church, but it's also small groups, that we'd be involved in a small group, and I, I want to talk about that tonight as well, because I think that's very important. But um, let's just talk about why we should go to church, in case, in case any of you are wondering, or if anybody is uh, 
if you're talking to anybody, why should we go to church? Because we live in a day where everybody's independent, everybody's self-reliant. I can do it by myself. I mean, church seems so unnecessary. You know, it's just another gathering, just another club. It's, you know, I don't need that. You know, I, I'm, I'm a member of the body of Christ, and that's sufficient. So, you know, I'm saved, and um, so I don't really need to go to church. Well, that's like saying, I'm a football player. I just don't play on a team. You know, I, I, um, I'm, yeah. It doesn't work. You know, it, you have to be a part. And so, so here's some reasons. And, and again, when I'm talking about attendance, remember we're talking, you know, if you want to put LG for large group, SG for small group. If you want to think about, if you want to say membership, which I choose to say, I, I choose membership more because anybody can attend church or, or go to church. And well, I'm going to attend this church that day and that church the other day. It's, you've got to lock in to your local body. You've got to lock into the local church family that God's called you to be a part of and put your roots down deep in that. And so why? Why do we do that? Well, first of all, um, and what I'm going to do tonight, because there are so many pages, and I'm on page three, so this probably will go into next week. But um, uh, there's going to be things on the board to write down, plus Bible verses. The Bible verses aren't spelled out on the board. You can write them down and study them later. If you have a Bible, you can open up to them. But... Um, here we go. So start taking notes. I really want you to take notes and dive in with me. First of all, a church membership keeps your fire burning for the Lord. It keeps your fire burning for the Lord. It keeps you passionate about Jesus. We talked about that last week. We need that passion in our life. There's something that passion does to us that changes us. And I can be more passionate when I have other passionate people around me. And we liken it to uh, like coals in a fire. You know, when, you're, when, you're, when, you're, when you are grilling and you put the coals in the grill, you put them all together and you light them up because there's heat when they're all together. You get that one coal that kind of goes off by itself. Either it doesn't light or it lights and it, and it gets cold after a while. It's the coals that are together that stay warm. And when we gather together, we have opportunities for that refueling and rekindling and staying connected to the fire and to the passion. And so... That's the first thing. It keeps the fire burning for the Lord. We've got to keep that passion in our life. The second thing is, is that it protects us from self-deception. And this is really important. It protects us from self-deception. And, and the, the Bible's very clear about this. It, it says, don't just be doers of the word, or hearers of the word, but be doers also. But the last part of that verse in James is so important because it says, if you just hear and don't do, it says you're deceiving yourself. And you don't want to deceive yourself. Like, hey, I got everything together. I'm good. I'm okay. You know what? You, you've got to check and see if, if what you're hearing and what God is doing in your life is legitimate or not. And here's how you tell if it's legitimate. Is that anything that is going on in my life with God will reflect in my relationships. Or you could say anything that's vertical happening is going to happen horizontally. And if it's not happening horizontally, there's something wrong vertically. So, and, and if I'm all by myself, you know, anybody can get along with themselves. Okay? Easy, right? Why is it that we say to our spouse, I can get along with anybody, but you make me so mad? You know, because, you know, you're, it's, it's, it's because you're the closest you're the most intimate. And, and we don't know if it's working or not. If, if I say, man, I'm doing great with God, but I'm yelling at the kids all the time. Seriously. If, if, I'm, if I'm angry, and, and I mean, anger is not a sin. I mean, there's a time to be angry and, and stuff. But if, 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 that's, if I'm blowing my stack at everything, I got to check. Okay, something's not right. And, and, I, and, and it's not just with family. I'm talking about with, with church. It's like if there's days in, in nobody in this room, but there's church people who just, oh, you know. And if, and if I realize that I'm aggravated with everything, it's probably not everything. It's probably me. But if I'm all by myself, life's great. Never have a problem on vacation, right? Yeah. But, but so we've got it. That show, it, it just keeps us from deceiving ourselves. Oh, I'm okay. I'm, everything's right with God. Am I right with the people around me? Am I, am I okay horizontally with the relationships in my life? 
The next thing is that, and we've talked a little bit about this, but church membership, it leads to maturity. We talked about planting that, um, the roots down deep, but let me take it from a different aspect today with, with family. We learn maturity from our families. And, and again, I'm not talking about dysfunctional homes here. I'm talking about good homes. You're going to learn how to deal with conflict in your home. And if you, if you have a good parent that knew how to discipline and, and kind of took care of things, chances are you learned how to settle fights or arguments or, or things like that. There, you knew how to come to peace. You knew how to come to reconciliation. You knew how to grow up, and it's not all about your way. And, and um, again, this idea that, that, that I'm with other people, it, it leads to maturity. When we're all together, it leads to maturity. When we're in a small group where we don't agree with everybody in that small group, there helps to bring maturity. Um, Proverbs 18.1 says, A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. And, and we're not called to do that. We're called to, to be a part of a body, not just do what we want to do. And so, uh, and then Proverbs 12.1 talks about we got to love instruction. If, if we hate it, we're a fool. It's just that simple. And so, and so how do we grow together? It's not easy. It's difficult, but we've got to grow together. And that's one thing that, that helps is just being together in a church setting. The next, next thing is that it uh, helps you to grow and produce fruit. Being a member, attending, having the word in your heart helps you to grow and produce fruit. Because all of us have been given God-given gifts, talents, whatever you want to call them, that's, that's meant to be used not just for ourselves, but for our church family, for his kingdom. And if I'm not plugged into a church and I'm not discovering the gift or using that gift, I'm going to become stagnant. And, and I can't be a body part apart from the body. Okay? You take, you take the kidney out, it stops working. It's, it'll be all by itself. It's got to be a part of the body. And, and we've all been given a gift to use in his body. We've all been given something to be used in, in together with others. And so, again, we have to be a part of that to grow and produce fruit. The next one is that simply said... Church attendance, membership, being together as a church is obedience to the Lord. That was his call. I mean, you can look at Hebrews 10, 24, and 25 when it talks about not forsaking, assembling yourselves together, and that's important. But Jesus talked about the church back in the Gospels. He talked about the gathering together. That's what we're called to do. We're not meant to be isolated disciples, but to be together. So we're being obedient to the Lord. You want to talk bottom line, and this will be in, in a few weeks, but bottom line discipleship, Obedience. That's it. Simple. Obedience. Active obedience. So, again, this idea of, of being together is obedience to the Lord. Um, one more here, and then we'll, we'll kind of move on. Um, church membership helps the local church in the cause of Christ. I just have to be honest with you. There's no way um, we could do what we do as a church individually. You know, it's not one person that funds a hundred plus thousand dollars each year to missions. That's all of us together. Uh, packing the meals on, on, on Sunday, it, it's not one person going in there doing it. It's all of us coming together. There's something about us coming together. There's something about us being a, a church family that, that shows the world that, that we're better together, and, and, it, and it just shows the impact of, of the church and the local community. And so, again, that's something that's important. Now, I want to talk about levels to this commitment. Now, and this is really important because not everybody's at the same level of commitment. We've got to realize that. And, and you're going to commit differently than the next person. And, and, and I think we should get to the level four commitment as soon as we can. But, but again, people are at different stages, and we can't hold them you know, we can't be upset if they're at a different level or serving in a different way, but, but these are the levels of membership. And what you want to do, at least for yourself right now, and then in your small groups in, in the weeks and months and years to come, is say, move up, the, move up the levels. You know, great start at level one, and level one is great because level one is membership. And, and again, we don't have a formal membership here at the church, but, but the idea is saying, I want to be a part of the body of Christ. I want to, I want to, I know it's the most basic level, but you're basically saying, I, wanna, I want this to be my church family. 
I'm choosing this church to be the place where I connect with other believers. It's simple, but it's, it's, it's the great start. And most people don't even get to level one. They, they bounce around to place to place, but, but just saying, I'm going to call this my home. It says in, in Ephesians 2.19, you are members of God's very own family, and you belong in God's household with every other Christian. So we belong in God's house. So again, level one. Level two is friendship. Level two is friendship. That I begin to build friendships in the church. And, and I begin to build relationships. That's a better way of saying it than friendship. But I begin to build relationships. I mean, we were made for relationships. First with God and then other people. It's not good that man be alone. We were meant for relationships. Never forget the, the power of relationship. We were uh, serving uh, at the soup kitchen in Chicago at Uptown Baptist. Uh, when I was a youth pastor, we would go and we'd, we'd serve there. And, and um, I'll just never forget one time we were, we were there. and um, The kids did a lot of the serving, and so I, I kind of did like a little devotional time and, and just talking with people. And so I was just talking to, just talking to somebody, you know, um, that was there. And they weren't eating. And I'm like, oh, don't you, don't you want anything? I, I said, I can, I can have somebody bring you something. You want something? Like, no. I already ate. I'm like, oh, okay. Why are you here? And um, they said, nobody talks to me out there. Everybody looks away or ignores me. I, I just come here because somebody will talk to me. And I'm like, wow. That's the church. You know, that's, that's relationship. I mean, so starving for relationship. I, I don't know the whole backstory. I don't know. I just know that they were hungry for relationship. And we're all hungry for that relationship. And, and when you choose that, you're saying, I'm choosing to share my life with you. I'm choosing to share my experiences with you because your experiences are different than my experiences. And my experiences can help you and your experiences can help me. And we can, you know, and then we begin to open our homes in relationship. And we begin to open up our problems and we begin to open up our joys. And, our, you know, we just begin to build that relationship. And so that's the second level. It's saying... I choose this to be my place to lock in, and I'm going to choose to build relationships here. I'm going to choose to have my friends here. And so that's level two. Level three is what we call partnership. Partnership. Now, when we talk about partnership, I, I like to use the word fellowship. And um, I don't have time to re-preach it, but if you go back online, I did a message on koinonia, which is the word for fellowship in the New Testament. And that word is actually a very deep word. When we think of fellowship, we think of hanging out, having a cup of coffee. But it, it's more about partnering together, that connecting of lives in a deeper level. It's about, I'm not just in relationship. Now, now I'm on kind of the team. I'm, I'm, you know, this is something, we're together in this. Our lives are so intertwined and and. Just as I have fellowship with God, I have fellowship with my brothers and sisters in Christ. So that's another level beyond relationships. And I think we have a great team here at Christian Life. I think we have that championship church, if you will. But, but just to partner together, to, to fellowship together. And then level four is what we call kinship. And, and that's that we really are family. That we are family. You know, in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, they were like family to each other. Romans 12, 10, be devoted to one another like a loving family. John 13, 35, your disciples, your strong love for each other will prove to the world that you are my disciples. You know, this idea of, of love, that you have people in your life that you're committed to. And, and I've had people that have told me this and I told them that, man, we are in relationship. And my life is your life, and, and you will never be alone as, as long as I'm alive. You know, my life is so connected with you that I don't care what you do. I don't care. You know, it's like we are family. We're family. And there's something powerful about that. There's something wonderful about that. But that's a very deep level. That's also a very scary level. You know, I, 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 yeah, I think I need to stop because I think I'll probably tell stories that are too personal. But you need those people in your life that no matter what, you're there. 
It's, it's, it, you don't have a paycheck anymore. You don't have a house anymore. You need something. You'll never, as long as I'm alive, we're together. We've got to have those people in our life. And there's something powerful about that. And especially powerful when, when it's part of a church family, a part of God in the middle of it. It's just, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. So, but we got to have those kind of relationships. But that's fourth level. And that's also a very sticky level. That's a very tough level. And, and it gets intense. But it's good. It is so good. I can't imagine my life without that. Let me talk a little bit, too, about how do we get the most about out of being in church, attending church, being a member. How do I get the most out of worship? If I'm going to come on the weekend, if I'm going to call this my church home, how do I get the most out of the church experience? If this is, if actively coming to church is part of it, why do I come to church and then sometimes leave, like, what was that all about? You know, so what can we do? And here's a few things um, quickly for you, and I'm just going to run through these quickly. Is One is you want to guard what you do before church. Guard what you do before church, whether you come Saturday nights or Sundays. Let me just say this, that the time of worship belongs to the Lord. We call Sunday the Lord's day for a reason. The time belongs to him. It does not belong to me. So I don't want to do anything that makes me tired or spiritually dull or, you know, um, I love what John Piper said. Let me just read it to you, um, and, and you can kind of let this sink in. It says, it astonishes me how many Christians watch the same banal, empty, silly, trivial, titillating, suggestive, immodest TV shows that most unbelievers watch, and then wonder why their spiritual lives are weak and their worship experience is shallow with no intensity. If you really want to hear the word of God the way he means to be heard in truth and joy and power, turn off the television on Saturday night and read something true and great and beautiful and pure and honorable and excellent and worthy of praise. Then watch your heart unshrivel and begin to hunger for the word of God. That's a beautiful thing, isn't it? As he uses Philippians 4.8 there, you know, just set your mind on those kind of things. James 1.21 says it this way. Therefore, get rid of all filth and evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. So guard your heart. Guard your heart. Um, and prepare your heart. That's the next thing. Prepare your heart. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in the holy place? Who, he who has clean hands and a pure heart who does not lift up his soul to an idol or swear by what is false, he will receive a blessing from the Lord and vindication from God his Savior. To have a pure heart. And um, I think it's so important because, I mean, I know it sounds funny to say, I guess I have to do this because as I prepare the word of God, and especially like before tonight or, or before weekend services, I really do turn off TV. I really do. I, I go to bed early. I, I, I get up or I seek the Lord. I cry out to God. I, I, I pray in tongues. I do all these because it's like, you know what? We've got to get God's word here. We've got to get what he wants done here. You, I, I can't just get up and talk. We've got to know what God is speaking to us. But it's one thing for the pastor to do that or who's preaching to do that. We've all got to do that. We've all got to get ready. And, and we've got to, the next thing is give ourselves time to get ready. Don't be hurried. Get up early. Um, pray. Spend time in God's word. I know you're going to have God's word when you get to church, but get in the word before you get to church. If I can say it so boldly, go to Sunday school. Free plug, Chris and Gary. But no, seriously, come early and go to Sunday school. Get your heart ready. You know, I bet you they're more, it's, you know, what's interesting is, is that, and again, we don't, I don't know what they talk about in Sunday school a lot of times, but they'll say, you know, what's amazing is you preach the same passage or you said this or what, well, guess what? The Holy Spirit can do whatever he wants to do and speak whatever he wants to speak. And so, um, but, but just get, don't 
don't be divided in your attention. Just get ready. Get ready. Get prepared to come to church. The next thing is, when you get to church, remember God is the audience. God's the audience. Um, you're not coming to church. I mean, worship's always good. I love our worship. But I'm not there to feel good during worship. Although I do feel good during worship. I just, it's the Lord's time. Not, again, we're not coming to church to be ministered to by a message. God, you're going to speak something to me to change me. The next thing is listen to the sermon. Listen to the sermon. I threw that one in. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> threw all of them in. But um, the reason I say that is because we're talking about God's word. And, and, it's, and it's not just, I think what I'm saying is so important. It's that I believe that when we preach, the Holy Spirit is going to say something very specific to you. You know, and, and I have to believe that because when I look out on a Sunday morning, I see people sleeping and talking and, no, I'm just kidding, but I do see that too. But um, no, I, see, I see junior hires, I see senior citizens, I see, it's like there's nothing you can say that's going to make everybody feel the Spirit. It's the Spirit. The Spirit has to say something. And so we need to listen and hear the voice of God. And I want to ask you this. Have you ever thought of listening to the sermon as worship? Because it is. Paying attention to his word is worshiping. We know worship is. We know the music's worship. We understand that giving is worship. But did you know that listening to his word is worship? And, and so... Let the Lord speak to you. John 10, 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Luke 8, 18. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. And I love this quote from C.J. Mahaney. He said this, You will be held accountable for what you hear, regardless of whether it moved you emotionally. You will be held accountable for what you hear, regardless if you thought it was a good sermon or not. Okay? Regardless if you took notes or not. Regardless if you're like, wow, or not. Okay? Um, listen, take notes, review, go back and see what the Lord is uh, speaking to you. Uh, the next thing is after church, express God's love. Express God's love. Find somebody to share the love of God with, to share relationship with. Uh, it could be somebody new at church. It could be somebody that you know at church. But, but connect. Just fellowship with other people. Um, make that a part of your worship experience. That I don't rush in late and leave early. That I invite other people to my home on a Sunday. That I, that I, that I open up my life to other people. That, that I, I show the love of God. And, and leads to the last one is, is live what you learn. Live what you learn. Don't just hear the word, do it. And um, see, the problem is, and I know this because, I mean, I know that you think I only work one day a week, but, you know, seriously, I mean, once Sunday's done, I'm thinking, okay, Monday we've got, and I start to go through the to-do list of people we've got to meet with and things that have to be accomplished. And, and it's like, I didn't even reflect, because I, I know it sounds funny to say this, but I'm getting ministered to by the word just as you are because it's, it's his word. And sometimes I'm so, okay, that's done. Now to Monday morning. It's God's day. Give it to him. Reflect on the word. Don't let the hectic pace of next week rob you of what God wants to speak to you. Um, yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, yes, yeah, that's good. One more. It, unless they can type it really fast, it's not going to be on the over. But I, I agree. Um, that expectation um, that Easter's great because you believe the Lord's alive. And you know you're going to sing songs about him being alive. And you know the message is going to be about him being alive. And, and yeah, come expecting, come expecting. Maybe I just do that, so I don't know. But, but I, can, I don't know about you, but I can sense in our church that there's more of an expectancy now 
than there might have been previously. And, and we're not judging. We're just saying, good, good. Be open to the Holy Spirit um, and to that. Okay, I am, wow. Okay, we're going to have to do this another time because we're, we're out of time. We need to talk here. Um, that was large group talk in the sense of, of, of coming to church and being a part of church. But I'm going to talk to you, not tonight, but I'm going to talk to you about being a part of a small group at some point because you've got to be a part of a small group. And, and it's, it's essential to your spiritual development. And um, I'm going to go as far as to say, and it won't make sense right now, but it will after I get done, is that I believe the church is not responsible for you unless you're in a small group. And I know that sounds harsh, but it's true. And I want to explain that, what I mean by that, in another week. But I want to tell you, you need other people. There's nothing, I mean, I get, here's an, for instance, I get all the needs of our church, page after page after page of needs that I pray for every week. And I want to tell you, we pray every week for those needs. And we pray through them. The problem, well, I understand say the problem is when I receive them, they're anonymous because um, we put them on the internet and some other things. So I don't know, I don't see your name with that need, but it's still being prayed for. Hello? Okay, good. Um, so, so I pray for all of them, but it's, it's very nice. But in my small groups, because we send prayer requests out or I just write them down, I get really specific about those. I really pray for those. And I know they're praying for me the same way. So there's something about having that small group in your life. And it's so key. And, it, and it's not just prayer. I mean, that's one example. And we don't have time to get in anymore because it's time to go. But, but we need that in our life. And, and so this is how I'm going to close tonight. I just want to think about this. I want you to think about this. Is, um, it's almost funny to preach on this because you're here and you come to church and you're faithful and you're here on a Wednesday night. But, but let me ask you this question, and this will be the real test, if you will. Is what if everything we've been talking about tonight, being a member of his body, attending church, being a member, what if that was taken away? What if it became illegal to gather together and do what we're doing? What if you got sick and you couldn't come? I mean, just imagine your mind, I can't get together with, at church anymore. How would you feel? Seriously, this is what I want you to think about. That shows how important it is to you or not. Because i got to be honest with you, church is not a take it or leave it thing for me. And it's not just because I'm pastor. Because I remember this Monday night, in fact, I was getting together with my guys, and I told them, I, I don't know what that is, but um, I told them, I can't imagine I know it sounds corny, but my life without you. I can't imagine not getting together. I can't imagine not having this in my life. I can't imagine it. I don't want to imagine it. And so what if it was taken away? I shared this story a long time ago. It came up on a, a family reunion one time. And uh, um, my dad could probably tell the story better, but uh, um, it's about my grandma, Merrill. And I think she was pregnant with, with my dad. And um, back in the day, well, I guess, I guess everybody knows how old you are, so it's no big deal. Back in the early 30s, um, you know, I guess it, it wasn't polite for a very pregnant woman to go out in, in public. And so um, there was kind of a season that, that she just stayed at home. And if you knew my grandma, she was not a stay-at-home kind of woman. Um, but, uh, and she loved the Lord, and she loved church. And uh, so she would tell stories of that, because um, she wouldn't go out in public and go to church, that she'd wait until everybody was at church and the singing had started, and then she'd sneak out of the house, and she'd go next to the, the old church 
where the window would be open just slightly in, in, in New Sharon, Iowa, where there's not a lot of people. She'd sneak out, and she'd sit outside that window and, and hear the music and hear the word. And then as soon as the, that last prayer was being prayed, she'd sneak back home to, and then ask everybody how was church when they got home. But she just she couldn't live without it. And it's like, that's it. That's it. And that's an active part of our life. It's not, do I feel like going to church today or not? I can't live without this. I've got to have this in my life. And um, I apologize we didn't get to small groups tonight, but I will guarantee you that they're coming. Can I pray with you tonight? And then I'm going to ask you uh, not to rush out unless you have children. Um, and I'm going to ask you just to spend a couple minutes together and not by yourself, but in a small group. And I want you to digest what we've talked about tonight. Because I don't want us to rush out, and I apologize. I, I, I'm going to try to end 10 or 15 minutes early so we have time to do stuff tonight. I just I know that the, there's extra children and, and things like that, so we need to get our kids. But, um, but if you don't have kids, stay, talk. Um, if you do have teenagers, they can stay longer, so you don't have to run and get your teenagers. It's just the smaller children. But let me pray for you, give you the Lord's blessing, and then I want you just to have a little time. Um, together digesting this, not rushing out of here, but digesting what's been said. Lord, I, I just, I, I, I feel inadequate in, in trying to get this across, God. I, I feel like we ran out of time, but Holy Spirit, I know you haven't run out of time, and you are still speaking, even now, and you're going to speak in the weeks to come, and, and we know that, so uh, Lord, we just now want to let this settle in our hearts. God, we want to be a part of your church. We want to be a part of a family. We want to be a part of this local church. We want to go to the deepest level. Um, and God, that's our heart. So Lord, lead us in that, guide us in that. Help us to bring others along in the journey. And... Um, Lord, we don't ever want it taken away uh, because we need this, Lord. So we, 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 just, we just say with the psalm, psalmist, you know, that we're, we're glad when we get to go to the house of the Lord. And so, Lord, tonight as we talk, be with us. And uh, again, Lord, let it digest. Even if we have to run out and get our kids right now, even if we have to hit the road and get home, let it digest inside of us. And God, I thank you for the blessing that rests upon our life. And now we read the blessing of the Lord. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. God, I thank you for that. And Lord, uh, we pray it every week, but now we understand it a little bit better. Keep us safe and strong until we can gather together again as the church and worship you. In Jesus' name, amen.